Commonwealth, and welcome back to another episode of Bluegrass Soccer Cast, your home for all things soccer right here in the beautiful Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm, of course, Jimmy. That, of course, is Mr. John. And, John, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, John, it is back to school season. Colleges are in full swing. Um, all the high schools are in full swing and middle schools, elementary. And I have a very important question to kick us off today for you, John. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite memory of school? Any level, but what was your favorite memory of school? I mean, putting you on the spot. Like you were taking a PK. Like in, in school or just like school associated? Anything related to school. You scored a goal in the state final. I mean, my high school won girls state in basketball my sophomore year. That was pretty fun. Experience they bust us out to the final four. Nice. Um Michigan State. Oh, that's right. Because Michigan State's like right here. Like mm-hmm. right in the middle, middle of the, I love it. I, for those who aren't listening, if you know, you do the state of Michigan by the shape of your hand. Oh, I love that. We can't do that in Kentucky, you but can. it'd be like a weird, yeah, you kind of have to like crook your thumb. Yeah, it just looks funny. But what we can do in Kentucky is we can talk about amazing soccer. Um, so John, this week, uh, we're gonna Go on and get completely disorganized because all my notes are out of order. What just happened? There we go. We're going to go by starting like we always do off the top. Um, So, John, over the past weekend, both Lexington and Louisville dropped their home matches. And I really need to know what's going on. So, John, let's start in Louisville. Uh, We'll go over, you know, kind of the highlights from the match and what happened here in a little bit. But. Um, I want to start by just looking at the result. They lost again, and they did not look good at all. Um, John, did you have a chance to kind of check that match out or, or see any of the highlights or anything from it? I watched the first half and bit, bits of the second half. Um, um, well, first off, they did go on for a four-match unbeaten run. So They did. They did the callous it's not like the three straight losses type thing um they really i think they were fine overall they had planned to go into it i think that early goal by birmingham just rattled them um i think denny cruz talked about that and i think that was one of the things that he mentioned as some of the things that kind of just took the wind out of their sails I genuinely think if a goal is scored within 10, 15 minutes of a match, it can totally change the entire game. Agreed. It just rattles guys early type thing. Like, yes, as a coach, you're like, we need to get goals and you want to get that early goal as fast as you can. But I don't think many coaches plan or even players plan to be scored on early and to respond. Some can, some teams can, and they're, they're good at it, but some teams just rattles them and they're out of sorts. And all of a sudden they're having to play on the back foot for the majority of the game. It just, it can rattle them. And I think that's what happened to Lou. They just got rattled. Yeah. I think semi 
Semley just got rattled. He's young, and he just got scored on in five minutes. I genuinely think he just got rattled in that case for the second goal. He was just rattled. Yeah, and it was just a situation where he couldn't get it together. That back line, again, more issues still happening, miscommunication still happening. We talked about it last week with Benton from Vamos Marauders um, about that back line and some of the cohesiveness that they've um, not had. Uh, you know, what is Adams, their acquisition from SD Loyals. He's looked pretty good, but that's in an individual effort. They have not looked great um, overall, though, in that back line. Um, another thing that we talked about with Benton last week, and John, I kind of want to pick your brain on it, was this idea of this, is there a culture issue? Is there something going on with them? Benton was very, um, d- pretty affirm that there was not that you know from what he could tell and from his sources inside the team there was no kind of a culture issue at all what have you kind of seen i personally don't see there's a culture issue i see there is there is a communication issue so cult there's just if people are miscommunicating with each other overall or there's not familiarity i don't see it as a culture issue culture issues are like players aren't getting along with each other they're not right and on the field can amplify things but like players are overly competitive so they're gonna be mad but i don't think if you see a player shout at another player it's not like they are truly like they hate each other. They can't get along at all. It's just like in the moment they're frustrated and it kind of, they'll probably can turn it off and their buddies off the pitch is the thing. Yeah, Communication exactly is a lot more obvious. Second goal. Yes. Communication is a lot more obvious type things from the field. And that's what I'm seeing. They're not communicating specifically. That back line is not aware of where they are at. They're not playing very cohesive and together. Um, and I think that also has to do with the injury stuff. There was, yes. I forget who it was. The lack of consistency. Got, yeah, someone got subbed on and it was his first minute since like early June or whatever yeah. it is. They're, they're still dealing with injuries. Owen B is still in and out. He wasn't in that game. He's been in, he's still in and out. So I think overall they're just dealing with stuff still and it seems like can never catch a break. Even well, and, in and a Owen format. He's an older player on. too, right? Yes. Yeah, but like you were saying there, even in that unbeaten run, I, I think that miscommunication is what led to the draws as opposed to some of the victories, right? Um, but when you're trying to work on communication, you would think more practice time, more time together on the field would help that, but that's not what I'm seeing from the keeper up. You know what I'm saying? I see that. And I think it's more the groups themselves aren't communicating. So in my whole, this is my kind of philosophy, each individual group, needs to first be established and each line needs to get figured out first. Yep. If they can communicate with each other, that's when you want to connect everything because you don't want to try to connect your center back to your striker. If the center backs aren't figuring out with each other. Right. Type thing. You don't want to connect 
this the the attack with the midfield if they're if the midfield hasn't figured themselves out together and how to work together once you've established all that that's when you try to connect them because if they're not working together the center back you say you have or a wing back you have a more attacking wing back the center back's gonna know okay he's gonna go up i'm gonna go over here but if they're not familiar with that the center mm, back doesn't know chaos. to move over to and vice versa. The line doesn't know how to shift if they're not all connected to each other. And I think that's the issue right now. They're not. I. It could be due to injuries and the con- consistency and stuff. They're not sure exactly what each player is going to do. And like Tyler Adams has been playing really good for them. He has. He's, he's been still the only star in on that back fifth line. match. He's still only yes. in his fifth match with this team. He's been there just over a month, month-ish. Yeah. Just like, barely. that's still new. That's still new with the team type thing. So, um, it just, it's going to take time. And I think, I saw this on Twitter somewhere. It's like, oh, I think the, it's The dominant for, Twitter. I think it's time for Blue City fans to understand that, like, you might be a mid-table team, and that's okay. The whole um, Benton was talking about this. <coughs> the whole like ten-year run y'all have gone on of pure dominance—that's not normal in at least the USL or American soccer with the closed system, right? Like that just hasn't happened. And I think what they're seeing is the result of the league getting better and growing. They're seeing the result of you're not dominant anymore. Sorry. And it could just be an off year. They could bounce right back next year and do it. But I think they need to come to the reality of like, you're going to have to be a mid table team for a little bit. Like so like even the big six in, in England have been mid table or mid top table, at least because they have 20 have been mid top table before and they go through a stretch of like that. Some of them and clubs get relegated. worse than others. Yeah. Debatable. I'm not saying they're on like going to be finishing at the end of the league type stuff. Like Everton no, is, no. Everton and Arsenal are tied for like the most in the top flight. They had technically have never been relegated, I believe it is. Wow. Um but no one looks at Everton as a big six right now. I don't know if they've ever really been a big six member, but that's just yeah, some of my lack of knowledge they, of European soccer. You could argue Spurs and Everton swapped each other. Hmm. Um, but pulling it back to, to Lou City here, you know, they made the formation change and it seemed to help the attack a little bit, but by losing that backline defender now, it's kind of creating even more pressure on the keeper and on the three back linesmen to keep track of everything. Right. And that's kind of led to some of these goals that they've let in is people not tracking their man or somebody just, you know, two people flooding the zone and not being able to, to cover everyone. Yes. I, um, I think that's a mix of Tyler, Kyle Adams, not Tyler Adams. Uh, Kyle. I feel like I went to high school with a Tyler Adams. Well, Tyler Adams is also the captain of the national team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> LOL. 
just signed to the cherries. Um, <laughs> but what was I going? Kyle Don't Adams being, I think, in the back line, it's the fact it's just a factor of chemistry. They need to learn how to work together well. Kyle mm-hmm. Adams bringing in is an improvement and sort of thing, but it's also with him in. He got brought in because the back line is t- technically Stubble. speaking on their B players. Yeah. Technically. Because Winder is gone. Winder's replacement is out for the season. Um, so it's just they're dealing with being a step down, technically, in cruises. I'm not saying the players themselves are a step down, but they're might possibly not be Cruz's first choice if all his team's completely healthy. Right. And they're dealing with the middle man being brand new. When you're running a three-back center back line, the middle center back is the boss. He runs the show. And so if your middle center back is a new guy in the system who's only been there just over a month, he's played great, but they're some of the communication is he might not be able to communicate with his uh, the other ones where they need to be. Yeah, and the only thing that can help solve that is time, right? And repetition. Time, and repetition. They, they need to get more consistency with each other. I don't know how what right. practice is like or any of that sort of thing, but they need to no be clue. more consistent. If I'm Cruz, questionable players are not playing, are not no. training with the f- starting 11 that I'm thinking. They're going to be worked in as subs. They're not going to be worked in as the starting 11 that I'm planning for the team. I don't care how long Owen B's been there. If he's questionable, you're not considered a starter then yet. You're not starting. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I, I would rather have a player like that or any player healthier for more years in the future than just trying to push up the table a little bit. So I think we can both agree culture doesn't seem to be the issue. Maybe some miscommunication, yes, um, but not a a major cancer or bad locker room situation. Um, And I agree with you. I think the formation has been a good change, but they need that time together the rest of this season, maybe even into next season to really capitalize on that. So then – the last kind of question that, that I want to bring up about Lucidity for this was, should Danny Cruz be on the hot seat? Um, personally, I don't think so yet. I think it, it would be a real quick uh, trigger by the ownership group to let go of Danny Cruz. But, hey, man, people in soccer lose their jobs for way less uh, success. Um, so I would be stunned if they were to – let go of Coach Cruz because who are you going to replace him with, right? Like Phil Neville, he's not coming to the USL champion. I can tell you that much. So if you're not getting a better caliber coach, what are you doing? I don't think he's fully on the hot seat. It could be a little hot, but I don't think he's there yet just because for me – he hasn't warranted it yet. They've stumbled as of late, but they're still in the playoffs. That type of thing. And the East, the top of the East is very competitive. 
I'm very good. It's yes. going to be how they finish out the season. I genuinely think if they do stumble the rest of the season, it could be hot. But yeah. they also just signed him to a three-year deal before this season, or yeah, extension so at least. Expensive. So I don't see them letting, letting go of him this year. If this stuff continues into next year, then maybe. Yeah, but then this maybe year I think I think he is safe this for at least till next season. He's safe I, through the start of next season. And you know, we can look when the season's actually over for Lucidia, like roster moves that need to be made and like positional groups that need to be refreshed and reloaded and stuff like that. Um, but I I just think this team just needs more time together and needs to continue to get healthier. But I just also think as Lou City fans, we need to recognize championship may not be coming this year. So, but John, with that, we'll move over to Lexington, who also stumbled on Saturday. Uh, they were up a man for a good chunk of the game. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. 60 but... minutes, something like that. No, they lost. It was like fifty. Uh, Knox lost their lost a forward, uh, who was actually a former teammate of Charlie and Fox Hmm. at Tucson. Um, They lost a forward in the thirty ninth minute, so fifty five ish minutes. Yeah. Um, This is what I want to say on that one. Going up a man is not like guaranteed win. Get that? If you think that, you do not understand how tactics work or anything. Because there's still 10 other men and how big the field is, that's not really that much of a man advantage. Truly and honestly, it's not. Um, Especially in the league this year, in USL 1, there's been 13 matches. That there are no matches on Saturday happened this way. There's been 13 matches where a red card was given when the score was level, so tied. So now, uh, the side with the man advantage went five, four, and four. Jeez, or they they win 38% of the time. Now, granted, you can take off three of those games, three of the ties, because they were happening in like the 90th plus minute when the red card was given. So then it still goes to like 50% of wins if it's like you generally have enough time to use your man advantage. So, but still, that's a coin toss. Yeah. That's not that's that not, big of a difference. And there's more. Yeah. And there's four losses out of that thing. Granted, Lex is two of those, but still. It's really hard. And the Guardian produced something in 2010 about this. It's. Th- when a team has goes down down a man, they know their strategy thin and out. They are going to be defensive. They are not. They're going to attack. They're going to run more of a counterattack, but they're not going to go on their all out attack type thing down a man. They can be they're defensive. Play more the counter. Knoxville is already a defensive team. They've this team has never scored more than two goals all season. <laughs> so Knoxville's. I, And that's just how they are. They're already a defensive team. They have one of the better keepers in the league in Sean Lewis. 
and they lost a forward with right. five minutes so before the half. Of the team. So mm-hmm. before the half. So Knoxville's coach is going into halftime with five minutes to spare, knowing I am down the man. I can talk. If I if this happened more in the second half, it's the same thing with Fuego. If it happened in the second half, you can be a little more on Lexington about it because they ha- early in the second half because the coach has to work on the fly then. He doesn't have a full 15, 20 minutes to be like, here's what we're going to do now that we're down the man. It changes the game depending on when you get it. And also, it's just hard <coughs> to score goals. Is Yes, Lexington yeah. was the offensive terror, but it happens. You go against a good team. You go in a rival environment. Knoxville had, I think, their largest crowd of the season for this game. It was a nice crowd. And I wasn't um, there. And, I mean, you were, but it, it seemed I, like a nice crowd on TV. It seemed about the same. I know they're season opener was their largest so far and it seemed roughly around the same for it. Um, and I was at both of those because Lex was at both. Um, it's hard to do to win. And it honestly, in full honesty, the game was a tie. Yeah. The one well, should goal, have been at least. Yeah. It by performances by both teams was a tie because Outside of that one goal, which if you truly watch that goal, Knight misses it by a few inches. Yep, just that past happens. his fingertips. It just happens. Other than that, Knoxville couldn't get really anything going after they went down the man. And then, yes, Lexington took some poor shots in the second half. I'll admit that. But they just, they were crossing it. They were trying. It was just, they couldn't catch a break, which happens. That just happens. It's not there. Knoxville was loading up their box as they should be on defense, and it just happens, people. It's not. I was seeing some stuff where like it's pathetic and all that stuff. It's not pathetic. It's not. It happens. This it doesn't. All of a sudden, a team goes down a man. All of a sudden, they're like their skill level drops fifty percent. That's not how right. it it's, it's not works. like FIFA. You know, if you're, if you're playing FIFA, when you go up a man in FIFA, you can find a way very pretty easily to get the advantage, right? Like you slip the right pass and you get through. It's not that easy in, in a real world, right? And, you know, for in my observations, because I watched a good chunk of that game, um, the reasons Lexington couldn't find the equalizer had nothing to do with them being up or down a man. Like, that's just how strong defensively um, One Knox is. I don't think One Knox played very much, if any, different when being down a man. Their defense was tight. Their keeper was on his line and was barking and played a really good game, as much as he all made, of that pains me to say. He made some... From my memory, he made two critical saves that mm-hmm. were surefire goals. Like he had to dive yes. and sort of thing. Full I don't extension. know if they were. I don't know if they were counted as saves because I've learned recently if a goalie catches the ball, it's not a save, which is huh. stupid. Strange. It makes sense to a lot of things I've seen when I've looked up a goalie save percentage and or saves, and it's like lower than I expected. But he made two or three of those in the second half 
that denied Lexington the equalizer. There are days, this has happened with racing against the Dash and the Challenge Cup, there are just days where a keeper is on their thing. It doesn't matter if you have a man advantage, two man yep. advantage, whatever. If the keeper's on their day, you're not getting past them. Look at um, look at 2014, the Tim Howard against Belgium. On paper, U.S. should have lost that game by like five or six goals. Right. It was absurd, the, uh, the attack that Belgium had in that game. But Tim Howard was on his day, had his best game arguably ever, best game I've ever seen out of a keeper ever. Yeah, either and that they one only or lost his by snow game performance. Both of those are just so iconic. Yeah, I think the World Cup one's a little more because it's in the World Cup. Yeah, because you know, it is the World <laughs> Cup. Yes, thank you. Um, and they only lost that by two, or by yep. he only let in two goals, and after facing like sixteen, and he made fifteen saves that game. So yeah. he faced like it was absurd. Um, if a keeper's so on their in... day, it doesn't matter. It's not. It's not a knock against the other team at all. Like, it's not pathetic that another team couldn't score when a keeper's on their day. That just happens. The thing, the thing, and this is, uh, I'm going to get a little rant here. The thing I don't like about casual fans is they think scoring is easy. (laughs) They think that just scoring goals and Messi hasn't helped with this a little bit. It's just <laughs> easy. Like so many people are questioning the quality of the MLS because of what Messi is doing. The man in 2012 scored 93, 98 goals in a calendar year. That was yep. champions league. That was La Liga. That was Copa. Like 93 goals in a calendar year. The man walked over a bunch of teams. He, sc- he scored like, 38 goals and 41 matches against Sevilla in his career. Like the man 25 ish in like 40 against Real Madrid. The man is dominant. Don't equate dominant players like Messi or Ronaldo as the norm of what every player should be. There's a reason the U S has had a struggle, at least on the men's side of finding a true number nine because number nines don't come normally. They don't. Erling Holland is a freak of nature for a reason. Uh, Lewandowski has been able to, at his age, same thing with Harry Kane, to bounce around. Well, debatably bouncing around, but they've been able to stay on top tier teams because they are a world class number nine that you can just insert and have everything else be good and they just finish. It really really hard to be a top number nine and lexington was without our best number nine because the youth indeed was hurt yeah and that came from the the match last weekend right yes he got subbed off uh at halftime which that's another thing that the announcers suck at announcing halftime subs (laughs) because they're about Uh, Charlie went in for Della Media and people are like, when did Charlie get out? I was like at the start of the half. The thing the, they did the thing, but the PA is not paying attention. Well, um, and also like the broadcaster for one knocks. Come on, dude. You're not calling a golfing match. Jeez. Oh, no, that's not. Better. So the USL does not have 
to my knowledge, does not have a broadcaster per team. They have like a te- eight to ten man team. They have an eight to ten man team because he's done some Lex games and he's done some other games. I don't understand what's up with him and why he thinks he needs to like talk quietly when there's literally fans chanting. Like you're right. not going to disturb anything, and because they're not you're at not the game, are there. They? You're, yeah, you know, they're all in Tampa. You're not yeah, there. They're, they're not going to hear studio. you. I don't understand why they just feel the need to talk like yeah, I don't it's some it. hushed room. I mean, maybe they're in like a hushed environment where, you know, it's like one dude calling one game and right next to them is somebody else calling another game. Because I don't remember if that was the same guy from the Fuego game, but that game was another one where the commentator was just super quiet. And you could hear a fan blowing on the microphone in that one. Like, ugh. That, that, the guy was there. There are some was that are there. Okay. So, so like, give kickers him credit, have a guy. It was, like, super hot. Kickers have a guy who's been there. I think certain teams can have their own commentary, but it's not, like, guaranteed. So, like, Knoxville doesn't have one. Lex doesn't have one, to my knowledge. Well, if Lexington, Louisville, Racing Louisville, heck, one Knox. Uh, Memphis 901, if y'all need a commentator, a play-by-play guy, a color commentator to bring some excitement in, your boy right here has done it before, and I'd be more than happy to actually get paid for it uh, this time around. So, turning it back to Lexington, though, can we officially put the dirt on the conversation of Lexington not making the playoffs. In my opinion, the points are too many to climb out. And I think it is time for Lex. Great rest of the year. Play it out. Get some of the younger guys in. But the playoffs are probably, no, no problem. The the playoffs are out of the question, in my opinion. It They're not statistically out of it, but it would take some magic for it to happen because they're nine points out of the line. Good Lord, it would take like a miracle. They're nine points out of it. Um, So it would be very tough for it to happen, especially with the run of form other teams are on. And uh, one, two, three... Three of the top six have played less games than Lexington. So it would be hard. It's, I'm not, if Lexington goes on a run, they could do it. But what Lexington fans need to know is playoffs were going to be hard, anyways, because it was about 50 50 for a team. Stockley purposely chose a team to play young, picked a younger yep. team on purpose because he wants to, he would rather win over four years and over one year. And I think that's the and, right way to do it for the expansion side, right? Like yes. you're coming in, you build it up. You know, if you make it their first year, Hey, phenomenal, but don't expect to do that. Yes. And then they have two teams below them. And I think they genuinely could, What you're fighting for right now, Lex, is you want to be seven, eight. That's your goal. Get to seventh or eighth. Because one, right now you have the runner up beneath you. 
the league runner-up in the Red Wolves from last year beneath you. You have they've imploded. So yeah, you have the regular season champion just above you from 2022, and you have the playoff champion also there. If you can, and this is my opinion. Yes, they, all three of those teams have kind of imploded and stumbled. Tormenta's looking a little better as of late. But if you finish above those three teams, the two finalists last year and the regular season champion, I don't care if they've imploded or not. That's a thing of saying, we've came in, we didn't finish last. Like, if you go back and look at all the predictions, like USL Tactics did it and all that type of stuff. We had a 0% chance of the playoffs. We're going to finish <laughs> last. All this sort of thing. They're going to finish dead last. And that was because we were young and we were unproven. And there's that goes into that. But if we finish 8 through 7 through 8, even 9, that's good. I don't... The biggest thing that irks me is people saying is like, uh, like when I'm trying to do stuff with the railroad, trying to figure out why people aren't coming or what would make people come more is like, you know, winning games. I'm like, that's great. I can't control that. <laughs> I can control the fan experience. I can communicate right. with the club in fan ways. I can't just magically tell the other team you need to let us win. But if For you our- could, that would be very nice. If I could, Lexington would be undefeated right now. <laughs> We'd be on pace to be the like true invincible team ever. Right. But I, I agree with you. I think the playoff goal for this team for this year, maybe not what they should be focused on. I think Coach Stockley's got his boys focused in the right direction of the future. They're going to play out hard. You know that that team's not going to fold up their tents. No way that's going to happen. But I think as fans, we need to set our expectations a little bit more closer to the center uh, than just finishing at the bottom as the goal as opposed to making the playoffs. And I think that what you just said about the, them not pulling up the tents, I think that's another reason that like I'm not as mad over losses because I've yet to see them just like give up. They played. Yep. They have played sloppy at times. They haven't put a full ninety in, but I've never seen like them collectively just kind of give up and just be like there, going through the motions. Right. They've always fought. They've always tried. Well, I don't think Coach Stockley would let them just give up like that. I think it would no, be. I don't. I don't way think he would. more of an implosion. Yes, I don't think he would. But that's the point. I've seen teams just kind of give up. I've watched teams do it. So the fact that our team hasn't done it, just because they lost 1-0 with a man man up doesn't mean they're pathetic. Right. And I'm bringing up pathetic because I've seen I've seen multiple posts like that. There's also random racists that pop up on Instagram. Jesus. This one guy was like, you're tarnishing Brazilian football or whatever it was. I'm like, they don't have a single Brazilian on the team. They're not playing Brazilian. <laughs> what is that all about? I don't, I don't, you can go look. There's these like trolls. On at, the Railbirds? Like, no, it's not on the Railbirds. Oh. It's on the, the uh, Lexington's page. They oh. just pop up out of nowhere. They don't follow hmm. the team from what I've seen. And they'll just comment. But they only ever comment chasing. on losses. Just clout chasing, like, yeah. 
Go on. Have your fun. Make your comments. Those, those guys are those guys are funny, but they're not they're not worse than the uh, send it on Kentucky whatever. Oh my god, that's so weird. I'm like, what I laugh because I'll post on the Railbirds and I'll see that, and I'll go to these pages like we have more followers than your account. Why would we? And why would we send it there? Just share it if you right. want to do it. Like they did. They, they, I don't understand how these. I think work. it's all bots anyway, so I don't know who's real and who's not anymore on social media. But speaking of people who've been playing like a robot, Lionel Messi and in Inter-Miami won the inaugural League's Cup in this format uh, this past Saturday. And John, let me tell you, my friend, as a day one Inter-Miami fan, this was magical. And this was everything I could have hoped for as an inner Miami fan. Uh, great atmosphere down in Nashville. Uh, those fans showed up and showed out. And that was exactly, I think, the best representation of soccer in this country at the highest level possible. You had uh, the Cinderella story. And I'm putting that in air quotes because, you know, it's got Lionel Messi, Busquets, uh, and all the other great stars that have joined. or They were not the- Cinderella's in the League's Cup. <laughs> they were not. They Nasty were the showed up before the game, the, the tournament ever started. Yep. They were not Cinderella's. If they nope. barely squeaked out a group play and did this, then they're Cinderella's. They're right. Cinderella's but in they the MLS. Not. Yes, because but as Taylor Twelman would cup. continually to say, they are the last place worst team in the league. Blah blah blah. I don't want to hear it. All I want to hear from now on is Inter Miami League's Cup champion. That's it. Uh, but they're not done. Messi is not done. Uh, they are in the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup this week as the U.S. Open Cup returns for the semifinals. Uh, FC Cincinnati host Inter-Miami. So if you're in the greater Cincinnati area, that northern Kentucky region, um, get up there, pay your $1,000 per your ticket, and uh, watch the GOAT play. Um, you know, for me in that matchup, as an Inter-Miami fan, I have a hard time um, seeing them winning that after the excitement and joy that they just displayed down in Nashville. Um but maybe they can regroup and they can get it back together and go for another run for another cup final in a couple of weeks. But I think, uh, I think FC Cincinnati is going to come out with uh, a lot to prove in that match. And we'll see how long Messi plays because group, uh, I'm sorry, uh, regular season action returns this weekend for MLS club teams or for inner Miami specifically. So I would imagine that um, the no, coaching Messi's staff would prioritize that. No, no, no. Playing the full. They're going to prioritize. So? They're going to prioritize trophies. If I you mean, win yeah, three, but... if you win two of the three possible trophies, you can. <laughs> True. The the and which two are the most realistic? They've already won one. Right. Yeah, they're in the semifinals somehow. <laughs> because we played Birmingham in the quarterfinals. That's how. I know, but you're in the semifinal somehow. Of the Charlotte. Cup. You're 
if I'm the coaching staff, I'm prioritizing that because we can say we brought in two trophies. Yeah. And yes, we barely missed the playoffs, but we brought in two trophies. Like you're pulling a West Ham from last season. <laughs> Statistically, you're out of it, but you can still call yourselves champions of this country. Let's if go. You win it. So if I'm the coaching staff, I I think the fans will be like, well, we'll take two trophies over Messi playing a full 90 on this one weekend. True. And, you know, to figure out what it's going to be like the rest of the season too, right? Like if they're going to have a hard push, and I think they will for the playoffs, I don't know. I, I think they might take it a little easy in this one, might take their foot off the gas just a tad. But what do I know? Uh, I the other semifinal match is Houston Dynamo hosting Real Salt Lake. I don't know anything about that one. Um, Salt Lake will probably win that. They've been playing pretty well as yep. of late. They were on the hottest teams going into the break. But so we'll it's see. It's been a long um, break. Yes, it's been a long break. Uh, so I, I think Real will win that. And then... Um, for Miami and Cincinnati, it's going to be interesting. Cincinnati has lost only one game at home this year. Yeah. And but Nashville in the League's in Cup. Philly. Philly was supposed huh? to be this fortress, this place of nobody can win here. It's a house of nightmares for everyone. No, no, no. Not for Messi and the boys. Nope, nope, nope. Cincinnati is much better than Philly. Philly was really good at home, mm. but they weren't that great on the road. That's the thing this season. Cincinnati has been both like unstoppable at home and really good on the road. They have it like it wasn't like the Union were genuinely just like solely good at home. Yeah. And they were shaky on the road. Cincinnati is a top now. Cincinnati just lost also 3 0 to Columbus. They did. Weekend. So they're coming in hot. Um, so we'll see what version of Cincinnati we get. I'm very curious to how much of the Bailey is full with the prices. <laughs> oh yeah. Now the prices that they open, I don't know if that's season ticket or not. I don't know if season ticket holders got a special rate. Cause I know with like, I know at least with Lexington, mm-hmm. we had special like access type tickets. So I don't know if they, Cincinnati season ticket holders got a special ticket that wasn't $700. I'm sure. I'm sure they but did. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I'm it not... might have been 200 but it was still significantly cheaper. So we'll see. We'll see how packed TQL is with Cincinnati fans. And that was and one we'll of the see. things in that Nashville game that kind of rattled Inter-Miami a little bit. You know, they they were facing their first actual hostile crowd. And, you know, we know that TQL Stadium can be rocking for FC Cincinnati. So I yeah, agree some, it'll depend on who shows some up. Some reporter got mad at the Nashville fans for booing Messi. He's like, you don't boo the best That's player in the world. Do. Like, I don't care if Messi's playing against, like, I would love to see Messi. But if I am a Nashville fan, I I'm seeing Messi play, but then I don't want his team to win. Right, right. You want your team to win. You want your team to prove, hey, we're better than those guys. There's there's somewhere where there is art forever. There was Argentinian 
Real Madrid fans that when Messi played them in the El Clasico, he was like, I'm okay with Messi doing good, but I don't want Barcelona to win. Right. It's the same thing. Just because someone's the best player in the world doesn't mean you don't, you, you solely want them to win. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't get the, de- you're yeah. different because you're a fan <laughs> of the team, but you don't get defaulted like, oh, you're the best player in the world. So, default, everybody wants you to win. That's not how no, that no, works. That's not how it works. No. In fact, if he had gone somewhere else, I still would be rooting against him. Like, I would be cheering for my team to beat him. You know, if I had become a, a Nashville fan as opposed to an inner Miami fan, you know, they came in at the same time, you know, strong chance that I, I would have been rooting Miami. Okay. So here's the story, right? Like David, no, two things, right? One, David Beckham grew up, David Beckham fan, bend it like Beckham. Great movie. Watched when I was a kid. Right. Uh, two, I, Miami is like my second favorite city, like Kentucky, number one, like clear and obvious, right? But then my second favorite place is probably Miami. Um, I grew up, my grandmother um, was a huge Pat Riley fan. Like she would, like we would watch old highlights of Pat Riley, you know, playing for UK. And so then when I was a kid, found out, oh, he's like the coach of the Miami Heat. So I kind of attached myself to that, you know, got hooked, you know, with D Wade and Shaq and then LeBron and Bosch and, you know, all those guys. So Miami's always been there. It's like this secondary market that I've always wanted to like dip my toes more into. Uh, and then I got to go there when I was in grad school because my uh, my graduate school got to go play in the Orange Bowl. And it was like this big deal. And I was like a chaperone. Um, shout out to NIU. Go Huskies. Um, so it was like actually getting to put myself in the culture. And it just further drilled in that yes i am a diehard miami heat fan and then i heard that david beckham my favorite player to that point was coming into the league as an owner and he was coming to miami sorry nashville love you but uh gotta go uh gotta go to south beach gotta cheer on inner miami day one fan i was one of those fans in the uh the zoom link for the uh, MLS's back tournament uh, from back during COVID when that first was starting, you know, that summer when they uh, played all those games down in Orlando. So, like, it it was a lot of fun. So I've been a fan since the beginning. It's just really exciting to be a fan now. Okay. Speaking of things that are just okay, uh, let's go to our last story here for – um, the off the top, uh, U.S. women's national team part ways with uh, their head coach, Andonovsky. Yeah, no, no, no. He resigned. Whatever. You can say he resigned, but he it was a mutual parting of ways, pa- and parting, he just agreed to resign. I No, I genuinely think he did this so he didn't get fired. Yeah, I that's think, what I mean by mutual parting ways. The they act, were going to fire him. He didn't want to be fired, so he was like, ah, well, okay, he, I'll, I'll leave. He resigned. They would have announced it as mutually parting ways. I think this for for the USS USSF this saves face a little bit. Yes, it firing, does. Because everyone was calling for them to be fired. And yep. I genuinely thought he wasn't going to be until the World Cup finished, anyways. Because mm-hmm. 
I think the U.S. want to make a run at England's coach, who apparently the Netherlands men's team is report rumored in for her, which would be huge. Yeah, that would be and, a massive change. Um, in general, they're, but I think he resigned because I genuinely think from everything I've heard of Blacko, he's very much one of pride and like of himself he's not a toxic coach i think nope. he resigned just out of like conversations with people conversations with stuff and he's just like i need to step away it's type of thing it could be to save face over not being fired or something but i think he genuinely did that on purpose in a sense because he felt the need to he felt he needed to resign. I don't think he was forced to at all. I, if he wanted to stay at all, he would have gotten fired. Yeah. Or the mutually parted ways type thing. And and I think we're saying the same thing for the most part. Like, yes, he was not, it was not mutual, but I think it was mutual in air quotes because he was going to be fired. They just didn't want to go through the process. So you know, he agreed to step. I don't know. I got my tinfoil hat on for that one. Uh, but he had been the coach for the past four years. Um, he had led them to the 2020 Olympic final. Um, but that's kind of where the criticism started to, to kick up. And then everything that happened with this disappointing exit uh, in the World Cup. Um, they have their interim coach right now. Uh, but they are on the search for a permanent coach. And, John, I have a list of three candidates that could be replacing um, him as the coach of the women's team. The first one is the coach at England. Um, I think she did a great job of getting uh, them to the final. A little bit unlucky to, to lose to Spain in that way, but after hearing some of the stories with Spain and how that game played out for you know some of them, it only makes sense why they... Uh, while they won, Spain uh, number one. I'll, I'll get this out of the way. Spain won because they had the same mentality as the 2019 U.S. women's team. Different type of winning out of spite mentality, right? But it was the same. I don't believe just because one or two of the original 15 or so who like said they're not going to play for the national team were welcomed back. I don't think the other like B team were all of a sudden like, oh, no, we're fine. We're fine with playing. We have no issue with him. I genuinely think they went out and won it out of spite in this thing. If you noticed in some celebrations, yes, they did toss him up type thing. But in a lot of the celebrations throughout the tournament, they ignored him. They gave him yep. the cold shoulder. So I genuinely think now that they've won, that Spain's won a major trophy and the senior levels, they've won the U-17 and U-20 World Cups, but if they won it with this, we're going to see something come out within the next month. Another letter or something of this line. So like, we want him gone. Yeah, and there were some weird things that happened with the Spain, uh, the leader of their federation, you know, so their president, the mouth, like, or genuinely, president, yeah. like, grabbed one of their players and just kissed yeah. him in the mouth. Now, both have played it just off. Not. Both have played it off. Like, both the player and the president have played it off. 
So it could be like she kind of understood the whole like celebration thing, but either way, it's not cool. Yeah, it, it was just kind of gross because that was somebody that I had on this list originally, but I, I have taken them off. Take him um, off. I don't want him yeah. anywhere no. near the U.S. Not the, after that. They're not, they're not going to, in general, I don't think they're going to hire anybody with any controversy around him. I don't right. see the England. I would love the England coach, but I don't see her joining the U.S. because I see her as a way of like she wants to take down the U.S., yeah, yeah, I think that seems to be more of her mentality as opposed she wants to, to grow coming the game. to the power. That's why she, because she took two countries, like the Netherlands and England, were not that good before she got to them. England was okay right. in the World Cup, but they weren't like dominant. You could argue they were like the U.S. men's team, where they're decent but not like dominant at the World Cup. That's a, that's a pretty good argument. Um, and same thing with the Netherlands team; they aren't like insanely good before she gets in there. She gets in there, gets them, takes two national teams and two World Cups in a row to the World Cup final. Yes, she loses both, but that's still taking two countries, winning a Euros with the women's and brings them there. I generally think she's trying to grow the game. She's not going to do that. She's not going to go. I would be shocked if she does leave. If she goes to any World Cup winning nation, yeah, and I I think it is probably better for all soccer if she stays. But number two on the list, uh, Laura Harvey, who is the manager at the OL Reign uh, out of the NWSL, has a lot of experience coaching USWNT players. Um, she was a candidate for the job in 2019. Um, she knows U.S. soccer system well, but to me, is she like an uninspiring choice? Like you're the best manager at the club level. Can you transition that to the the world stage? I could see her. Um, my biggest thing is I want a coach who genuinely will sweep out the vets as much as as much as it will suck. Like, yep. I want a coach that, like, was it 2014 when Landon Donovan was left off the World Cup roster? It was, like, this huge deal. Yeah. I want that in 2027 if Alex Morgan, to this coach's mind, does not fit the 23. If I the mean, coach, he or she go, Grant Morgan will be 37, 38, so she will be older. Yeah. But she's still, right now, because Rapino's retiring, and so is Ertz. She is the biggest name of a consistent who's played multiple World Cups. Rose Left. Lavelle would, would be arguably either number two, could be number one as well. Uh, not over Alex Morgan in popularity. In skill and stuff, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, in popularity, you, yeah. Alec, Alex Morgan is a modern, like Mia Hamm. Yeah, like true, in the current true. day type mm-hmm. thing so but i want the coach to go you're not in the 23 or you're not in my forward group there's sophia smith there's rodman there's all these people ahead of you you're not going to the world cup i don't care if you're 38 and still can just still do it and could be like a super sub kind of like we saw rapino you're not i don't think you're 
I don't think picking you over this person is better. Like I'm not taking the best 23 right. or whatever it is. I want that. I want this coach to not care about stars because we're at that stage. We have, we're, we have 14 players filling out another national team. Yeah. That's how competitive our pool is. We are at that stage where you do not care about stars. You don't. You pick the best 23 who's going to win. I don't care. The best 23 is going to be the stars, in my opinion. There's not going to be someone out of left field of like, why them? Type thing. You pick truly the best 23. You do not go after name recognition. You go after who are the best players. And then you play those players in their roles. We did not, or Vlatko did not utilize Sophia Smith. She, he played her out of position. She is a number nine. She is a world-class number nine, and she played out of position. That, I think, is much of the reason we had goal-scoring troubles. Because you take players and you put them out of position. Same thing with Ertz. Granted, yep. Ertz is world-class, so she was fine. But the same thing with her. Play the players in their positions that are the best of your group. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at what shook out with this roster, I think that's exactly what happened. The player, the best players were not in their positions to be as successful as they should have been, and that's what come has come back to haunt them. Now, on the other hand, somebody who did kind of capitalize on the talent that they had on the roster my last choice here, Tony Gustafson from Australia, um, guided the Matildas to the semifinals, uh, was an assistant for the USWNT. He's been very successful, very familiar uh, with our systems, and I think he could be a really appealing candidate. I could see him. I genuinely could, because especially how he handled Sam Kerr. Yep. GDX stuff. He was truly playing the best person available. And that's why he would be my top pick. That I alone. like him. I like him. I also like as a dark horse, a Jamaican coach, because any coach that can maximize talent is who I want. Yeah. Type thing. Now, there is also the sense of with the US, there's no more, there's more than just maximizing talent. You need to be able to control top talent. Yep. So whereas Jamaica or even Colombia, who has a rising star in their own right, when you have a team that people are going to overlook and think they're not that talented, it's much easier to maximize talent out of that because you can, with everyone, you can get the underdog thing. But if you're going into the U.S., even a U.S. team that people are like, what's going on with them? You still have top players. You have seven, hopefully seven contributors coming back too. Like I, yeah, I mean, it should be. I genuinely think the injuries are what led to us going out in the round 16. I think if we're fully healthy, we could have made the semifinals. Granted, this is the weirdest World Cup ever. In my opinion, I mean, like it's a been wildly Sp- entertaining. Spain, Spain had not won a knockout stage at the Women's World Cup till this World Cup. Yeah, and then they go on a run and win it all. Yeah, England had made the, at least a semifinal and stuff like that. Australia, all that type of stuff. It's and just genu- 
Yeah, it's just genuinely one of the weirder World Cups in women's. It was highly entertaining. I loved it, but it was weird. And that's all I've been hearing. This is weird. This is odd. So this could be the norm with a 32-team World Cup that the women's are. I don't expect the women to go up to 48 yet. But we could see what happens. This could just have been the top countries are in a transitional period or have a boatload of stuff going on like Canada. So we'll see what happens when, when 2027 rolls around wherever they're playing. Cause for some reason that hasn't been picked yet. Yeah. Why is I was kind of thinking, you know, at the final and like the pregame or something, they would announce it. I don't know what the holdup is. The men's world cup has always been announced six, six to 16 years in advance. We are now four years. Yep. Not and even still under know. four years. Under four years. And granted, every country I believe in it has hosted one. There's like US and Mexico and some European ones and like South Africa are in it and Brazil. So it's not like these countries are like out of nowhere. But I don't like that they're just meh. If it's not announced by the end of this year, I bank on the U.S. doing it. Yeah, that would kind of it would kind of lead me to think that it's some country that's already established that could host it really easily, right? So, to me, I immediately think of, you know, some European countries, the USA, you know, uh, England or Germany, France, like something that would just be easy to plug and go, right? The U.S., Europe, all of Europe basically has a major. Not every country can't host yeah. a World Cup. I mean, Albania like, couldn't could, host the World you could Cup. You could do, you could do like trios with some some countries. Yeah, Brazil or Argentina. You could throw in Mexico in here too, or South Africa, because they're not going to go back to Australia. You could maybe no. even do, throw in Japan in there. Yeah, but they Japan hosted also very recently too. Who's isn't there an Olympics in Japan? Is that the next Olympics that in was Japan? The last, last, the last one. Okay, the next one's in Paris. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Next year, right? Uh, yeah, twenty twenty four. They're in Paris, and then in twenty twenty eight, they're it's in LA. They're in LA, so, baby. I, I, I honestly think the people's just going to give it to America, and it's going to be like this is genuinely the best period in time to be a U.S. fan. It's going to be like the 90s again. Yep. Um, so take, if you're a, f- a fan living in America, capitalize on this. You're going to have the Copa America here next year. You're going to have the Club World Cup the year after that. Then you have the World Cup. And then ideally the Women's World Cup. And then the Olympics. Yeah. Capitalize on that. Go. Don't try because it's going to be impossible. Don't try to go to an American game. If you can, great. But <laughs> you think those messy tickets are, are expensive. Prices are going to be absurd. Go, yeah. Just go to a World Cup. Pick a secondary country and right. say you've gone to a World Cup game. Absolutely. That's my goal. You know, If say Nashville can host something, I'm going. That's also, I can rant about that, that the World Cup has like no Midwest teams, cities at all. We'll save that one for another episode. Uh, commenter there mentioning Brazil isn't suitable right now. 
Yes, the, there's a lot yeah. going on Brazil, in Brazil right now. Brazil has political and economic instability, but that's also three years. I don't see them getting it, but in terms of countries that could just host a World Cup at the drop of the hat, I think Brazil is one of them. I'm not looking at political stability. I'm looking at inf- existing infrastructure. Speaking of infrastructure, uh, if you enjoy this show and you'd like to support us, uh, we have a Buy, us coffee, buy Me a Coffee account. Um, it is not required. We will always keep the Bluegrass Soccer Cast free and open to everybody. But if you enjoy our content and you want to help us build our infrastructure, huh, huh, see what I did there? See what I did there? Um, you can make a donation, and we would greatly appreciate any and all the support. All the money, of course, goes to the show to make us the best show that we can. But, John, with that out of the way now, let's go to the bottom line. Um, and, John, we've kind of really talked about a lot of our teams um, that have been in action over the past weekend. Just kind of briefly going over everything for everyone at home. Um, starting in Lou City, uh, they lost 2-0 to zero to Birmingham. Uh, very flat performance. Um, saw their four-game unbeaten streak disappear. As John mentioned earlier, early goals were the doom of Lou City. Uh, Coach Cruz said he was very disappointed, citing poor set play performance, especially on the defensive end, as a major lack of concern for his team. Um, Lou City um, lacked a lot of energy. They lacked just the excitement to go. I mean, it didn't help that stadium was like 90% empty, so I kind of it understand also it. insanely hot. Yeah, yes, it was. Insane. It's going to be insanely hot this week, like across yep. America. Like, it was so hot today. I work at a YMCA. We've, we postponed all soccer and flag football practice because of how hot it was. And Lexington's Academy postponed practice. They went just stay inside. It was that hot today. Yes. For those who can, please make sure you're drinking plenty of water. If you have to go outside, do what you have to as quickly as possible and get back in, but be safe out there. Um, but John, you know, overall the timing of this flat performance was really uh, bad and very disappointing considering that the team was doing a little bit better. So very disappointed to see Lou City lose out in that, in that factor. Uh, any final thoughts on Lou City's performance over the weekend? Personally, no. They did. They played a little better in the second half, but it's just heat. Yeah. I'm a full believer in heat is a factor at times. Heat. Oh, yeah. W- empty stadium. And it was just, especially if you're Being going down, down early. If you get yep. down early in the heat, it's just going to cost you because the other team can park the bus. And they don't have to work as hard in the heat and you're having to bust your butt. It's just going to not work out in your favor. Speaking of parking the bus, um, we'll jump over to Lexington, uh, reviewing their uh, matchup with one Knox uh, final score, Lexington zero one Knox one. Uh, the victory for one Knox did give them the barrel bowl brawl thing. Um, so the barrel brawl. There it is. I don't they know why I would the, call it bowl. They got the I'm bourbon barrel. Don't know what this trophy looks like because they didn't lift it. We anything. need a real trophy if we don't have one already. Um, 
but as we mentioned, one Knox was down a man for the last you know fifty or so minutes. Um, their lone goal came right after halftime. Um, Lexington controlled possession, but just really struggled to get those high quality chances to score. Um, just overall, a frustrating match for for Lexington. Um, John, final thoughts on Lexington's performance from the weekend. It was painful. I was very sad over it. It, is, it was a tough loss, but at the same time, I've explained this earlier. It's not. It's not a, like a shattering loss. It's not one that like freaks you out. I don't like the Fuego loss. Was a lot more crazy and like a lot more shocking and hurt more this one they just i feel this was more unlucky than bad and for some of our lexington fans this comment here describes exactly how they were feeling just pain pure pure pain um so let's jump back to louisville john and we'll talk uh we'll close out today's show by talking about racing louisville who had a kind of a mixed performance, if I'm being honest. Um, I was excited for the result, but um, final score, Racing Louisville 1, Angel City 1. Uh, so it was nice that Lou City, or I'm sorry, Racing Louisville was able to get the draw um, against Angel City um, in front of a record crowd, um, 10,214 fans. Um, Davison, or Davis scored the equalizer in the 79th minute. Uh, so it was nice to have the uh, the comeback draw. Um, it keeps racing in the playoff conversation, um, heading down the stretch with only six matches remaining. Um, they have time still to secure the uh, spot in the playoffs. Uh, yes, how, what did you um, see from this one, John? Overall, I just this was a very tough and tight match overall. Um, it's a great, great to see the crowd there. You're seeing both sides incorporate their World Cup players back into it, so I think that was a mix of it. Yeah, I agree. How he- how heavy racing's attack is World Cup based. Um, but overall, they got the they got the draw, they got the equalizer, they didn't lose, they didn't complete. The uh, reverse Kentucky Triple Crown. Um, it, but they could have looked better. Uh, but the NWSL, it's hard. If they haven't played in so long, you're bringing people back. It's like basically a new season. Yep. So, and, and I think starting out with the draw, a good solid start. I think it was a good solid start. The fact that they were able to play, they've looked much. better better in the second half even after they conceded in my opinion so the, if did. they can play way more, more aggressive up to that and just come back fully refreshed they should have Chidiak back next she might not play the next game but she'll be back I think at least she might play late yeah um they just need to get back in the swing of things back into order everyone's back you can all this type of stuff, but keep fans keep showing out, keep packing the fan. That, in my opinion, personally, this is me. 
both racing and Blue City shouldn't have to get do like 18 things to get you to come to a game. Agreed. You know, it, it's one of those things where it's a beautiful facility. Tickets are not that expensive when you compare them to other professional clubs. Uh, I mean, if you're comparing it to your local high school, like, you know, everybody gets in for free or gets in for $5. Well, yeah, of course it's going to sound expensive to pay 15 to 20 to go to a match like that. But I want to continue Eight. to see more people at these games. 15 to $18 is not bad for a game in any right. sort sense. It it's doesn't matter where the, the movie league is. Yeah, it doesn't matter what league it is because you got to remember these teams still need to make some money. Right. But they're not like they're not gouging you for bad tickets. You can get a really good ticket for 18 bucks. Yeah. That's good. When, when I was working with BGFC, that was one of the things that I was always like hounding them on. It was like, you can't raise your prices more than what it is for other entertainment. And in our community, the easiest thing to target was one, uh, the minor league baseball team, the Bowling Green Hot Rods. Um, and the other one was movie ticket prices. Hot Rods tickets at that time were $10 a piece. You could sit anywhere in the stadium for $10. You had to pick your own seat for $10. You know, if you went to a movie, you could pick your own seat for, I don't know, 12 50 or, you know, maybe $13 at that time. I, now I, both those are more expensive now, but when you're comparing your uh, entertainment options, right, you can go to this one game for, 20 bucks a ticket or you can go see a movie for 15 if money is tight you're going to pick the cheaper option so if you want to continue to see the sport expand we've got to make sure that we're not gouging our prices we're keeping things reasonable and that's what exactly racing and lucidity have done this year yes they have like if anything lucidity has has the pedigree to want to do higher ticket prices, but they don't. Right. Because they don't yeah. need to. Yeah. You don't have to always have um, season tickets. You don't always have to have um, these specialty things to, to raise your profit margins and stuff like that. If you can easily pack your stadium with, I mean, that stadium could easily hold 8,000 comfortably every game. Right, like, and it would look nice. Average and for the men's team, I think they average around nine thousand a game. Yeah, as I saw. And so, you know, when that's your average and your baseline, we need to go on and support both teams at that same level. And yes, and you know, racing is a little bit newer, but is still. averaging. It can't be very many. I bet it's 6, under thousand. What? Through eight games, this is just NWSL matches, hmm. I, I believe. Racing is averaging just over 6,000. Um, it's a little below what they averaged last year. But they're averaging around and around. I mean, uh, the top. Our San Diego, Angel City, and Portland are all averaging over fifteen thousand. San Diego, San Diego is averaging almost, almost twenty thousand. 
Now, where do they play? Where do the uh, the Wave play? Snapdragon. At? Oh, they Snapdragon. do. Okay, I didn't know if they played there. If they played at uh, the other one, the San Diego, uh, not San Diego State. There's another college there. I can't remember which one, but yeah, like go out support Diego. both teams. That's it. Yes. I thought that's where they played, but it's important for us in, in Louisville and in Kentucky in general, continue to support these teams. Prices are reasonable. Let's make it happen. But John, with that, we will head out for this episode. Um, we have another great episode coming up for you on Wednesday. Just want to drop the teaser now um, as we're closing things out today. Um, John and I will break down all of our Division One um, college teams this coming up season, both men's and women's. Um, so if you're interested in continuing to uh, see that coverage, make sure you check out our website um, as well as come back to our Wednesday show so that we can have a full on discussion of, you know, how good Bellarmine men's team is going to be or how good uh, Murray state women's is going to do and so forth and so on. Um, but like always, um, and, what are we going to say, John? And with that, our lower division two sides and below we did. Yes. We produced an article. We're going to try to do weekly articles about, well, weekly articles, like little clip articles about, D1. That's just because they have more information for us than others. It's, their games are easier to watch. Just overall, there are only three of us who do yeah. this for free. We all have other full-time jobs. Um. So, But the other D2 and down, we are going to be doing a box score-ish report. So everyone can keep track. That'll be like record. We'll note like goal scorers and that type of stuff. It's not going to be as detailed. We'll note if anything, like if someone gets like their 50th win or this is they're the all-time leading scorer of the school now. Championships, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll note that. But there are no joke people from NCAA D1 down to NCCAA D2. There are 54 <laughs> soccer programs in this state yep. and as with schools like Murray I think Murray, Western Kentucky EKU, Moorhead who only have one team yep so the, these lower very leagues, much be more the lower leagues just absolutely dominate this conversation I mean D3 half of them are like NAIA or D3 yeah, D3 has 10 teams in AIA. You're exactly right. They have, what is that, 20 programs between men's yes. and women's. So we would love to cover them. And maybe you're a listener at a school and you want to be your, you want to be a beat for, writer. You want to be, we will let you, if you're a journalism major listening to this, we can't pay you, but we can give you experience. <laughs> that you can take anywhere from a very professional looking website that you can share with people being like, I did this and we, we get full credit for for you type thing. But we, as much as we would love to cover all 54 teams in depth, like we do the pro teams, 
it's just not no physically possible with us all doing a profession or all doing 40 hours a week at other jobs. <laughs> also I don't know if covering all school. of them plus uh, 40 hours free a week would be possible. That's all I, I if I wasn't in grad about to start my another semester of grad school and it genuinely was my like I was getting paid to do this. I think I could. It wouldn't be great in-depth articles. They wouldn't be great in-depth articles all the time. But I think I could do it. I think I could pull it off. But that would be Mm -hmm. like trying to keep up. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to get, if you're a journalism student, you know a journalism student, you know an athletics program that could hook us up with a journalism student. Um, Our website is here. There's a contact link. Feel free to click on it. Um, as well as feel free to uh, message us on like Twitter or uh, Instagram or something like that. Um, and we'd be more than happy to, to set up a conversation with you. But John, with that, as always, I want to thank everybody for watching. Um, every viewer is valuable here. We appreciate all of the feedback from everyone and all the support. Make sure you're following us on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at BG SoccerCast. Um, And make sure you give us uh, a listen on all your favorite um, podcasting platforms, anything from Spotify, Google, YouTube, Apple, iHeartRadio, and so many more. When you're on those platforms, make sure to like, rate, comment, share, do all of those things as well. And as always, thank you all so very much for joining us. I'm Jimmy. That's John. And we will see you on the next one.